Give me a big hand. Christmas songs are not easy to do. We appreciate all of you guys, even those in the Steeler sweaters. <laughs> well, grab your Bibles, uh, if you would, with me and open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Our topic title has been A Thrill of Hope. And what I want to mention today, in fact, that hope was born. But the hope that was born was to give us peace, right? Hope was born to give us peace. So Romans chapter 15, verse 13, I want to read this, and I'm going to have all of you read it here in just a minute. Romans chapter uh, 15, verse 13, and it says this, I pray that the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace. What does he fill you with? Joy and peace while you trust in him then your hope will overflow by the power of the holy spirit let's say this together ready i pray that the god who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust in him then your hope will overflow by the power of the holy spirit lord we stop again today and we, we've been praying this verse and reading this verse, but Father, I pray today over all of us that we receive the joy and the peace that only comes from you. Lord, we thank you today. Uh, enlarge our ability to understand your peace in our lives, your rest. In Jesus' name, and look at your neighbor and say amen. 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 You know, um, I've gotten a lot of crazy phone calls at church in the past. But uh, last year, I got a, a real good one. In fact, it was, I think, a complaint about our nativity scene outside. And I, I believe the phone caller called late on a Saturday night, a uh, private number, so there wasn't a number to come back. But it was a lady that started, and she said, you know, I, I wanted to first say, I really like your nativity set outside. It's really beautiful, but uh, it's inaccurate. And you're confusing the children in the city. So she went on to let me know that the wise men didn't go to the manger. That the wise men went to the house. Well, I know that, right? I know that I don't want to mess up any of your nativity sets. But we know that the wise men visited Jesus a little bit later. And she said, and the one that I really wanted to mention, Jesus shouldn't be put in the manger until Christmas morning. <laughs> well, I also won't want to mess up December for you, but... Jesus probably was born in April. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but we celebrate it uh, during this Christmas time. So I thought that was an, an unusual, but I just want you to know that your nativity is really beautiful, but you're confusing the children. Well, I don't think so. One lady had come by the first year we were putting it up, and she, uh, she complained because she thought our baby Jesus had a beard, but it was just a, a shadow in there. So uh, I don't let those situations steal my peace. But have you ever had a situation that has tried to steal your peace? You know, right now in your mind, uh, a situation uh, can probably play out of something that stole the peace out of you. In fact, I want to look today because when hope was born, when Jesus was born... He came to give you and I his peace. 
And that's something that we have to look at in his word. It's something to remind ourselves. And even as we go into this year, I want to challenge all of us. When is the last time you've memorized scripture? When's the last time you memorized anything? You know, I can remember the phone number at my mom's house in San Gabriel, but I can't remember the phone number of our house that we lived in Montebello. Why, why is it that you can remember things so far back sometimes, but it's probably because we haven't taken the time to memorize. There are scriptures that we need to put to memory, not just a recall, but to have in our heart, especially when we talk about peace. Because Jesus was born to give you peace. You know, the world views peace as an absence of violence. But the world's view of peace is only on the outside. It's only external. And it's only the, um, and the events that we see in the world are what take away peace. In the spiritual realm, peace is always on the inside of you. It leads and guides you on the inside. And so it doesn't really matter what's happening on the outside because peace is leading and guiding you on the inside. One of the pastors that I met this summer um, on, our, on my missions trip, he travels extensively to different countries, and he said, every country that I've gone to in this last year is building up their military. So everything that they think causes peace is building up their, minutes, their military. Jesus says to build up your peace, start on the inside. Allow there to be growth or something that's taking place on the inside. There is no peace on earth without the Lord and without his peace starting on the inside of you. In fact, I was, I was reading through Solomon is probably the only one that we can look to in the scripture and to history that during his reign, the Bible says in two places that there was peace. There was peace with his enemies because our history of the world has been wars, has been strife, has been fighting. Cain and Abel, right? Right off the beginning, there's been always fighting. But Jesus came, and as we look today, one of his names that was prophesied about him was Prince of what? Prince of Peace. So in Luke chapter 1, verse 79, I want to read this just one verse before we go to Luke chapter 2. This is a prophetic promise over John, little John the Baptist, as he's being dedicated, says this, that he was to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. What was John the Baptist's ministry all about? He was preparing the way for Jesus. Well, this, this word spoken over him at his dedication was he was to guide our feet to peace. That's our direction. That's what we're searching for. That's what we're uh, experiencing when we allow him to come inside and to change our lives. All right, let me get over to Luke chapter 2. This was actually the chapter in our reading today. If you didn't do it, you're going to get to hear a little bit of it right now. Luke chapter 2. We always read this in December, but it's not just a December reading. And I just want to read the first few verses to you, and it says this, Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took 
place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were greatly, what? Afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That, that was there like, go find this guy. Right? Go find this baby. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes and he's in a manger. And verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord, that, uh, that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now, you've probably read that story before. You've heard it uh, at Christmas time. You've read it throughout a Bible reading time. But when we get a picture of what actually took place where Mary and Joseph probably did an 80-mile trek to Bethlehem to fulfill a prophecy, though there was a census, that he would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, but the offer of a savior has now been presented. And the savior is this child, Jesus. Interesting that it's used the Christ, the Christ. The offer of the ministry of Jesus was also presented that there would be peace given to all. So we see his life that comes and his ministry that comes and the way, though, that he is going to bring about this peace is it's going to start with your heart. Is he's going to see your heart change because, as we use the word, because you have been saved. You've been born again. And as Ephesians says, 
You have become a new creature. You've been changed. You've been made alive. Though you have the, look at your neighbor and say, you know, you have a great personality. <laughs> no, no, say it like you believe it, right? Tell them that. But in your spirit of who you are, you have become alive in Christ Jesus. Alive. You've been changing kingdoms. You're no longer the kingdom of the darkness. You're the kingdom of light. But now we've got to learn how to experience the peace that Jesus promised. Isaiah 9, Isaiah prophesies this in verse 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Say it with me. Prince of Peace. And notice what it ends with. Of the increase of his government and what? And peace, there will be no end. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Do you think we're reading a lot of peace here in the Bible? Over and over again, experiencing and knowing the peace of God. So the angels sing. I would have loved to know how big of a, that, that's like the first Christmas carol time. That they sing out, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Goodwill towards men. So on the very first Christmas that we celebrate, the Prince of Peace came from God and he came to live in our world beside us so that peace could make its way into our hearts. Neither the city of Bethlehem or the, the Bible uh, records the parts of the other districts of the world knew about Jesus' birth. It was announced to these shepherds that were staying alert, paying attention, that went and ran. I like what it says, it says made haste. Tell your neighbor, no, they ran, right? Tell you somebody, they ran. They wanted to find out what they had just seen. They made haste. So God sets up his own welcome party for Jesus, his son. That's kind of sad, isn't it? It's like you planning your own birthday party for yourself. Has anybody ever done that before? All right, go. Oh. <laughs> All right. Let's erase the service back just a little bit. We've all planned birthday parties for ourselves. <laughs> all right, let's go to kids. Do kids plan? Oh, yeah, kids do plan. All right, let's scratch that one. Shepherds were the attentive ones that came and bowed. And what else did they do? They worshiped him. But they also went out and told whoever they could find about what they had seen, what had just happened. Jesus himself, later in his ministry, as things are getting ready to wind up, says this in John 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. Let it not be afraid. Not the peace that the world gives. Notice he's talking about a different type of peace. He's talking about what we'll look at that Paul says there's a peace 
that surpasses all understanding that gets planted into your heart by the Lord Jesus. Well, if you were to read, in fact, you can look at it later. If you were to read Matthew chapter 2, the, the peace that was announced by the angels is about to be broken by Herod. Because when Herod has the wise men come to him, and they've been following the star, he gathers the scribes and, and the rulers that should know these things to try to figure out exactly what they were saying. But Herod tells the wise men, when you find the child and you've done whatever you're going to do and worship him, come back and tell me so that I can worship him. But we know as the story goes, the wise men are told in a dream to leave and not let Herod know. But when Herod finds out that he has been deceived by the wise men, now they didn't really deceive him, they followed the dream that was said, he has all of the male children, two years and under killed, in Bethlehem and in all the districts. Isn't it interesting that when the Prince of Peace comes, that instantly it shows that this kingdom of the world, this evil system comes to try to eradicate. It's almost as if the devil himself was trying to get Jesus as a little child so that there could never be a ministry or whatever God was going to do through him, but it didn't work because Joseph had a dream and he was told to take Mary and the child and flee to Egypt, that God protected that little one. You know, when you read these, you know, when, in fact, when I, I, I think about this, before Jesus could ever die for anybody, people were already dying because of him. Before he could lay down his own life, because the Father had given him the right, it was his to lay down, these little ones were dying because of him. But he's the Prince of Peace. You know, one of the questions I get asked all the time is, how long do you think Adam and Eve were in the garden before Satan came as the serpent to deceive him? That's a good question, isn't it? How long? You know, we don't know how long. But one of the things that we know is one of the things that was commanded over them was to be fruitful and multiply. So apparently they didn't have any children yet at the time. But when I see Jesus's ministry and when he is baptized and the Bible says that God the Father speaks and says, this is my beloved son, like listen to him as the Holy Spirit comes down. Do you know where Jesus immediately goes after that event? He goes into the wilderness to be tempted and tested for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus also teaches in Mark chapter 4, he teaches that Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in the hearts. So I almost get a picture of Satan when God sets up this beautiful garden of Eden. You got Adam and Eve. He wants to come, what? Immediately to steal hope, to steal peace, to take away joy. So that's why when we read these things, we know even the early church was immediately persecuted because he comes to steal. That's the kingdom that he's a part of. But Jesus is wanting us to, to know he's of a different kingdom. He's of a different government. He's one that's going to leave peace in our hearts. Now, I read this this week and I thought this was fascinating. How many of you use YouVersion, the Bible app, on a phone or a tablet or some device? Anybody here? You use YouVersion. YouVersion is the most popular Bible app. To date, they said that 350 million 
people have downloaded that Bible app, yet they revealed their, uh, the number one searched verse of 2018 that wasn't just the United States, it was all around the world. So the team looked not only for the verse that was the most bookmarked, highlighted and shared, and it was this, Isaiah 41.10. Let me read that to you. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. In fact, let's say that together. Ready? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So let's think just for a quick second, what happened around the world in 2018? What world events, what violence, what unrest took place that people would get on an app and search out this verse that starts with, fear not, for I am with you. You know, when we read through the Bible and the angels come to cross somebody, you obviously know they've been shaken, because usually when an angel has an announcement to somebody, you know the first words that come out of their mouth? Fear not, as the person's trembling, right? Fear not. They're afraid. But that's a word to us. Fear not, for I am with you. The Prince of Peace wants us to fear not. And the opposite of fear, in fact, there's actually three Bible words if we looked up to say, what's the opposite of fear in the Bible? And it's faith, peace, and confidence. The opposite of fear is faith, peace, and confidence. Peace can guide you in a time where normally you might be afraid. But that word is peace, I give you peace, I leave with you, Jesus says. And Isaiah 41.10, fear not. And that's the words of the angels. Do not be afraid. I was reading a story a couple weeks ago. There was a dad that had come home for work, and he sat on the couch, and he picked up the remote, and he wanted to go through one of the uh, TV shows that he had recorded. And just as he sat down, his little boy came in the room and said, Dad, can you go out in the backyard and play? And the dad said, why don't you just give me a few minutes, and then I'll go play with you. I'm going to finish my show. So the dad clicked back on his show, and in just a couple seconds, the little boy came back in and said, Dad, is it time? Is that familiar to anybody else? <laughs> is it time? The dad said, no, no, no. Uh, go back out. I just want to finish my show, and then we'll have plenty of time to play. And as the dad clicked the show back on, the little boy came back and said, is it done yet? As the dad laughed, he looked down, and he saw on his coffee table a newspaper, and on the newspaper, the, the cover of... Um, the newspaper had the world, an image of the world. And so the dad said, he said, here's what I want you to do, son. And he ripped out the world. And then he ripped up the world in little tiny pieces. And he says, go in the other room, get the tape from the closet. And when you put the world back together, come back and then we'll go out to play. Now he thought he had a good one set up because he thought he could finish his show. But in what seemed like just a few minutes, the little boy came back and said, Dad, I'm finished, can we play now? The father was so stunned that he turned to his son and looked at the picture and was blown away that he thought he had a child prodigy on his hands. 
But he said, he said, son, he said, that would have taken me 20 minutes. How did you fix it so quick? He said, dad, I turned it over and there was a picture of a man. And when I put the man back together, I turned it over and I saw that the world was together. I read that and it made me think something. The world doesn't get fixed unless people get fixed. Unless the person, the man, the woman is put back together on the inside, the world doesn't get fixed. See, we think our world is going to get fixed by several different ways, and God looks down and says, no, 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 I'm going to fix it through people, through their hearts that are being changed. So always remember this, on the back of the world was a picture of a person. So I put the person back together, and that's when the world came together. You know, the world is a broken and messed up world, but God is continually putting it back together piece by piece, or can we say person by person, because he captivates hearts. He changes hearts. And I love what Philippians 4, 7, Paul says this. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard, what? Your hearts and your mind. The peace of God, which surpasses Meaning, you can't understand how it all works, but as you operate and know the peace of God, it connects with your heart and your mind. So then the minute of looking up a verse, when you hear, fear not, for I am with you, that word should give you peace, because it surpasses all understanding. Well, back your heads with me today. I just want to read this chorus uh, real quick of this song. I heard this the other day, hadn't heard it in a while, and it's just the one verse of, it is well with my soul. You know, the soul is the real you. And where that peace comes out of, it comes out of on the inside of you. Let me just read it, you know it. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it, it is well with my soul. In fact, the chorus says, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Well, Lord, I pray today, even in the lyric of that song where it says, peace like a river. Lord, I, I pray today, and not a, a, a one day, a one Sunday event, but Father, that we step into the Prince of Peace, that we understand that there's a peace that we step into because of you. Regardless of what's happening in the world, when we hear the words, fear not, for I am with you. And as people are put back together, that's what changes our world. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, in fact, maybe today you, you've been apart from him and, and today reminds you that you come face to face to him. And it's time to come back home. He's the father of the prodigal son waiting and looking for you to come home. So I'd like all of you to pray this prayer with me. Ready? Dear God, I believe in Jesus. 
I believe that he lived and that he died for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for bringing me into your family. Thank you for forgiving every sin. In Jesus' name, amen. The most important prayer that we'll ever say that starts us on that road of being changed on the inside to have peace with him. And in every situation that we face after, there's a peace that can lead and guide you. Well, stand with me. Look at your neighbor and say, it is well with my soul. Let's close. We're going to close with the song of worship. That little story he told about the world and then the man on the back of it, and when, that, when the man was put back together, the world was put back together, I got this mental picture of in New York over by Rockefeller Center, there's this large, large statue, and it's of this man, and he's bending down, and he's like this, and there's this ginormous world resting on his back. And as I thought of that, then this old song came back to my mind, and I looked it up, and it, it, the chorus goes like this. If he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, I know, my brother, that he can carry you. If he carried the weight of the world upon his shoulders, my sister, I know that he can carry you. It's never been intended for you to carry the weight of the world, the weight of your world. You were never designed to carry it. Your shoulders aren't big enough. I'm married to a guy that's got broad shoulders, but his shoulders aren't big enough. You were not designed to carry it. He was designed to be born a baby and to grow into a man that is supernaturally capable of taking care of every single detail in your world. In your world. Whatever makes up your world, he was designed to carefully and intricately adjust and readjust, remove and add to what you need in your world today. Hope. Hope was birthed so that you didn't have to worry about how your world would revolve. It's been taken care of. Next week, I'm going to share the title of my message. is going to be Hope Stakes Itself to the Promise. Hope Stakes Itself to the Promise. You do not want to miss it because I, just like you, find myself needing to be staked, driven down so deep that I cannot tether too far from the promise that he's given. Amen? Amen. 
If you need prayer today, if you need to be reminded, agreeing together that he's got your world in the palm of his hands, come up and let's pray together. God's got this thing. Amen? If you need community lunch sacks to give out into the world around you, you can pick those up next door. We are going to have tacos today. Anybody ready for a little fiesta? Yes. I'm ready for some fiesta. Um, what else am I forgetting? We're going to pray for the food, yes. Next week, it's the Sunday before Christmas. Wear your Sunday best, not this. Uh, let's bow and pray over our food. Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you for this house, and I thank you for the family that you continue to bring to this house of worship. Lord, I pray that you will bless this food to our body. Thank you, Lord, that you take sickness and disease and remove it far from our midst. Keep us whole and strong and healthy. In your son's precious name, amen.